0: Progress Best Bets Edition, right here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network, and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. For those that have been here before, you know the deal for the Wednesday show, it's Best Bets, it's a roundtable. For those of you who are new, four games this week that we're going to cover, where all of us in some way, shape, or form have a lean on the game, I'm going to warn you right now, it's not the prettiest games but it's games that we have opinions on and that's more impactful for betting purposes than just talking about games that we don't have opinions on. So we'll do that. Then we're going to get to a rapid fire style of this week's biggest games that are on deck. Just giving very small opinions on the bills, dolphins, the Ravens and the Browns and the Patriots and Cowboys. Then we'll end the show as usual with a best bet from each of us. All of the picks are going to be tracked via third party bet stamp, under the Forward Progress account, you can download BetStamp on mobile, Android, iOS, or you can check out the site, BetStamp.app. Follow the Forward Progress account. The usual crew of suspects now joins me. We got Dr. Eric Eager, not an MD, but he does have his doctorate. Suma wearing his jet sweater, which I'm very, very surprised about considering the Monday show where he just absolutely went off on the New York Jets. I didn't actually know Suma even gets angry. It's the first time I've ever <laughs> seen it. And then Hitman in the bottom left-hand corner. Hitman, we were joking off air. It's going to have to redeem himself with a winning pick this week. Or else paper bag over the head next week. It sucks. It is what it is. We're just, we're just ribbing him a little bit. But we'll recap last week as we always do here. Right before we get into this week's slate. We had a bunch of leans on last week's show. Went pretty well for the most part. More check marks than X's. Not the greatest week for Suma on the leans, but ultimately that bottom game, uh, Monday night football or Sunday night football, excuse me, where we all had an opinion on it. Uh, three out of four with Suma being the odd man out. Uh, back Jimmy G in that one, and unfortunately didn't go so well for the best bets last week. Uh, a little bit of a different story. Five hundred across the board. Uh, I think I can say I lost by the hook. I think it's allowed in this instance, but I lost by the hook in Cowboys-Cardinals under. Eric wins with Pittsburgh, pretty easy fashion. Suma gets that over in Jacksonville, uh, Houston pretty easily, and Hitman. Unfortunately, that Atlanta uh, offense was just an absolute dumpster fire uh, in last week's game against the Detroit Lions. But we don't live in the past. We live in the present. So let's break it down, guys. Week four in the NFL, we're going to start with, again... I would call this matchup, well, Eric would call this matchup a privilege, and it sure is. It's the 0-3 Minnesota Vikings going to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. Market right now is out to 3.5 at Pinnacle. We did see Minnesota take early money in this game to move it out to 3.5. The total, uh, the Pinnacle line, 46 juiced under. That's more like a a 45.5 or a 45 there with the way that the juice is trending in that game. We'll start with you, Suma. Minnesota, Carolina, break this one down for us. Who are you leaning to and why?
1: I'm leaning towards the Vikings here because um, I would prefer to get a minus three, but right now the market doesn't look to get there and Bryce Young has been practicing today. So there is, I think, a decent chance right now that we will see Bryce Young instead of Andy Dalton. I think Dalton looked a lot better in this offense, uh, but you could still see the limitations with their receivers uh, creating little separation even against a Seahawks secondary last week they basically desperately desperately needed to scheme some guys open but i think th- this game you are as a Vikings better betting on the Vikings like not shooting themselves in the foot again so um they have so many <laughs> stupid turnovers this season in in each game They have on the season so far, they have a turnover inside the opponent one yard line against the Bucks tipped interception at the goal line against the Eagles that fumbled into the end zone by Justin Jefferson uh, against the Chargers last minute that um, tipped interception that basically hit teacher Hawkinson in his arms. And when you adjust for all these like um, tipped interceptions and stuff, Kirk Cousins right now is close to top five in EPA per play um, and they're playing against a Panthers team that is getting shredded with injuries on the defensive side. Lost Shaq Thompson for season. Uh, Frankie Luvu left week three with a hip injury. JC Horn is on IR. Xavier Woods left with a hamstring injury and CJ Anderson left with a, I think it was a low ankle injury, so Henderson might actually be able to play, but I just don't see how the Pandas defense can generate too many stops here unless the Vikings, again, shoot themselves in the foot with, I don't know, muffed snaps, uh, goal line, tipped interceptions and stuff like that. And on the other side, we are not high on the Vikings defense at all. But I, I think that the Minnesota defense might actually look quite decent this week if it's Bryce Young against a... Uh, pandas' O-line that has conceded, like I think, the second most pressures or, or the most pressures on the season so far. It's, it's going to be a, again a heavy blitzing um, match plan from Brian Flores, pandas without Jonathan Mingo. And I think if you want to beat this kind of defense, you gotta make quick throws, quick smart throws, and your receivers actually need to create. At least some some uh, some sort of quick uh, quick separation. We saw it um, basically a, a masterpiece last week f- from Keenan Allen on on these kind of plays. And I just don't think that the Panthers with Bryce Young right now have the type of offense to combat this blitz-heavy approach from Bla- from Brian Flores. Uh, to cut a long story short, I think the Vikings offense is well-equipped to score on this Panthers offense, and I don't really see the Panthers offense with bryce young keeping enough pace to stay within the number here
0: Hitman, hey man i see you nodding a lot as Suma's talking here which would lead me to believe that you also like the vikings in this matchup the one a deterrent i think for a lot of vikings betters is going to be over the course of the past few years how they just generally always play games that come down to the last possession and maybe not wanting to lay Three and a half rather than the three that was available earlier. Is this a case where you potentially wait for the number to potentially move back, or is there still some value here with the Vikings laying three and a half?
2: I got to wait for at least a minus three, minus 120 to show up. It's funny, as I was listening to every word that Suma said, all I was thinking is, I said, you know what, Suma, just say something that I don't have written in my notes because I feel like you could just copy and paste my face on the Suma replay everything he said, and that was pretty much my entire handicap. Um, I I think that the Panthers aren't being priced yet as a bottom-tier team when they very well could be, like in that Arizona-Chicago-type range right now. Um, Their offensive line is on pace for the most pressures that PFF has ever charted, A lot of that has been about Bryce Young, his pocket awareness, and just pressure sometimes can be a quarterback stat as well, holding onto the ball too long. So, you know, I would have liked, if I was a Panthers better. I would have liked to have Andy Dalton in this game, but it appears that we're probably going to get Bryce Young in this game. As Suma said, Kirk Cousins is playing out of his mind, even the, the... so we know he's going to have success. And the Panthers' run D even is allowing over five yards per carry. So I don't think – I think that Minnesota could actually be in a situation where they have, might have at least some success running the ball, where we know the passing game is going to have success as well. A lot of positive uh, regression hopefully coming for the Vikings. Six turnovers inside the opponent's 20 – And the cluster injuries, as we said, J.C. Horn, Shaq Thompson, Frankie Luvu, uh, C.J. Henderson, Xavier Woods now just recently is likely going to be out for this game. The Panthers, the one thing that they've had going for them is that their defense has at least been somewhat respectable, especially in the first two weeks. And now you're just losing so many guys and you're going against one of the hottest offenses in the league right now. In the Vikings, it it really just does seem like another situation where it's going to have to be the Vikings doing a lot of stupid stuff with with the turnovers to keep Carolina in this game.
0: So one thing that Hitman said there, which I found interesting, was that potentially the market is not pricing Carolina properly in the the sense that they're closer to the bottom tier teams than to where they are right now. There is a site out there that uh, is often referenced called Unpredictable. That kind of takes a market, you know, basically closing point spreads to, de- to derive a market power rating on every team. And through the first three weeks of the season, Carolina's market rating has been minus 3.6, minus 4.3, and minus 3.8. There's been a team every single week that's at least had a rating of minus seven or worse. So Carolina's been priced at three points better on a neutral than the worst team in the league every week so far throughout the year. I think that's very interesting, Eric, that uh, I've bet Carolina a few times, including last week when the basically the wheels fell off because of all the defensive injuries in the second half. But in my opinion, there isn't much to like about this team, and they very well could be by season's end in that, like, bottom tier, like nut low of the NFL.
3: Yeah, I started the year with them minus three, uh, relative to the average team on a neutral. And I'm at now minus four and a half, which is only better than Chicago and Arizona. Like, I, I think that they, when you look at the defense uh, to both of the, you know, both Hitman and Suma's point, like this was going to be a good defense and that was always going to be the the handicap there. But then you lose Luvo, who's one of the most underrated players in the whole league. Um, obviously the secondary is a, is a travesty right now. I think all those things play in the Vikings' favor. The one worry I think is, you know, Derek Brown's a really good interior defender. The Vikings might be starting Dalton Reisner uh, over Ed Ingram, which could fortify that. But the Vikings, without Garrett Bradbury, the last few weeks have struggled with interior stuff. One interesting thing as well is, the only, the one issue I do have for for Bryce Young is I do think he's going to get some relief against this defense. They get beat in so many different ways. The Vikings do. On Thursday night in, in week two, they gave up a 91st percentile EPA per play on the ground, 133 yards against before contact DeAndre Swift. Last week, they allowed only 19 yards to running backs on 13 carries, and it was a first percentile run defense. So the Chargers were literally worse than anybody else in the database in EPA per play. Um, But then they get shredded in the past. Like, you know, we've seen Marcus Davenport, $13 million signing, only four snaps all year. Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham, who have taken his spot, are terrible and like can't get any push. So it's like a classic Vikings thing where there's so many, there's good components, but the weak links kill this team. And so even though I agree, I make this number bigger than three and a half. I don't, it's just so hard with the Vikings because it's just something different every week. If it was something that was consistently losing for them, then maybe, you know, it would be easier to handicap them. But it's really hard because they find kind of a different way to lose every single week.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Uh, According to the the pro football reference numbers, the Vikings have blitzed on 63% of opponent dropbacks this year. They've generated a pressure 17% of the time. 63% blitzes, 17% pressure, just to add on to what Eric was saying about the defense and its struggles. And early on here, I really just can't get over the Panthers defensive injuries and watching them in the second half against the Seattle Seahawks last week. It was just disastrous for them. Uh, Kenneth Walker got going, Zach Charbonnet on the ground as well. Carolina has 39 missed tackles this year. That's tops in the league. There's only four teams in the league that actually have more than 30 missed tackles. And I think that's a recipe for disaster against this Vikings offense personally. Just my two cents on the game. This really depends on the Carolina quarterback situation for me. If Dalton plays, I love the over in this game at the current market price. Because I think Minnesota, somebody mentioned Minnesota team total over in the chat earlier. Uh, ben Verone, I kind of agree with that. If it's Bryce Young, I'm going to actually have some interest in the Vikings because honestly, Minnesota is not far off from being two and one. There's the last second play against the Chargers last week, obviously. Week one against Tampa Bay, pretty misleading final score there. You had the the, the center exchanges to Kirk Cousins, which were disastrous in that game. So uh, it's kind of gross to think about laying more than three with Minnesota, but that's the way I lean if it ends up being Bryce Young in this situation. For those of you watching out there, you do see us bring up the odds in real time on the screen over the course of this show, those odds courtesy of Pinnacle Sportsbook. And what you'll often find is that you're watching and you'll be like, oh, my sportsbook doesn't have those odds. These prices are way better. And that's because Pinnacle is a lower VIG sportsbook and they pride themselves on everyday competitive odds. If you're in Ontario, make sure you sign up to Pinnacle Sportsbook. Use code HAMMER when signing up as it does help support the show. They've been in business for 25 years. So bet smart, bet pinnacle. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. And as always, please play responsibly. If you guys thought that game was gross, wait till game number two on this list. Again, we're picking games here, people, where we think that we have betting angles to take. We could break down every game on the board, but in a lot of these, we just have no opinion this week. So we might as well focus on stuff where people can get some valuable bets. The Denver Broncos gave up 70 points last week to the Miami Dolphins. The Chicago Bears got whooped by the Kansas City Chiefs. They face each other this week. Denver out on the road at the Chicago Bears, a battle of two teams that it seemingly no one wants to back in market right now, especially the way that they've looked over the course of the past couple weeks. Denver a heavily juiced Minus three, minus 124. So on the cusp of minus three and a half at pinnacle right now, total at 46 and a half Hitman, I'm going to start with you here. And I know that you're eyeing the total in this game.
2: Yeah, I like the over. And for me, let's put it like this. We know that the Broncos are probably going to put up points. And why are the Broncos probably going to put up points? It's because one, their offense has actually been the strength of the team coming into this season, which is surprising to a lot of people. But two, it's that the Chicago Bears out 25 or more points in 13 straight games. They have injuries to their secondary, which is so bad right now that they're signing Corners off the Vikings practice squad. Talk about a team that could use corners. It's the Minnesota Vikings. The Bears are signing guys off the Vikings practice squad to play corner. They're dealing with injuries to Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, Kyler Gordon. We already know their nickel corner has been out. Their safety, Eddie Jackson. And, you know, some teams with these cluster secondary injuries, like when the Eagles had them, like, all right, well, their defensive line can make up for it. The Bears are the worst pass rush in the league. They have one sack through three games and Russell Wilson has been a player that has been taking deep shots and he has three wide receivers that are going to have really good plus matchups and uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. And if they finally give Marvin Mims more than 10 snaps a game with all the production that he's been having, that's a guy that could get vertical on this defense as well. So obviously I think that the Broncos offense is going to have success. It comes down to what do we think from the Bears offense? And the Denver defense, last in the league in pressure rate, and the big thing that I've noticed with them is that opposing passers, when they go deep, are 23 of 29 for 17 yards per attempt against this defense, which is six yards per attempt higher than any other defense has allowed. And there's been one thing that Justin Fields, two things Justin Fields has been talking about in the past few weeks on what he wants to see more out of this offense. One is he wants more designed runs. And after only having three design runs in the first two games, they had seven designed runs against the Chiefs. So I think if they continue to do that, it's obviously going to play towards the strengths of this bears offense. And the other thing that he said is we need to take more deep shots And although they weren't able to capitalize on a lot of these, again, you're playing the worst deep pass defense in the entire league. So possibility can maybe connect on one or two. So for me, I think that there is a path for the Bears offense to look respectable. And with this total and the matchup that we think Denver's offense has against the Bears defense, we really just need the Bears offense to to look respectable and not look bottom three in the league and I think that there's a path for that this week
0: yeah so I totally agree with this handicap hitman. I think you made a lot of great points uh, especially the pressure rate for the Denver defense like as much as I think about Justin Fields and how at times it can just look like such a struggle for him out there especially against the Chiefs last week like the Chiefs actually have a good defense that generates pressure the Broncos have generated 11 pressures this season in three games, there's only four teams in the league that have less than 20. They are horrible at getting after the quarterback. And I, I just think that the Bears are able to put up points in this game. Suma, I know you wanted to, to talk about the total in this game as well. I'm curious if you agree with me and Hitman.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. I don't know a lot of things to add. Um, If this Bears offense doesn't put up 20 points, against the, the Broncos' defense. Like, I mean, shoot everyone to the moon. Uh, I mean, what's the point of even getting out there? Um, Denver's defense is has been a major disappointment. And last season, I think that Jero Evero was part of really um, keeping everything together and coming up with uh, good time play calls and game plans and stuff like that because they didn't have a great pass rush last year either. And now, like, no pass rush. And, yes, Patrick Sertan is a top-three cornerback, but they they were also without Justin Simmons last week. And they are so fragile on defense that even having, like, an, an elite corner there doesn't do a lot. You can shut down a wide receiver one, but what's that worth against the Bears like? I mean, there's probably no huge surplus value when you're playing against the Bears. I would like to see the Bears getting more towards the quarterback one game because that's, that's really lacking so far this season because now everyone has seen three games of the Bears being completely unable to throw for the pocket and why not go back to the Best asset of Justin Fields and at least give that offense a a higher floor in, in in the sense that you use Justin Fields as a runner and maybe get more out of your run game with the threat of Justin Fields actually running and maybe that might open up a lot more space down the field and yeah I mean I think that the Broncos are going to score on this Bears uh, Bears defense I agree with Hitman some underlying metrics are very positive for the Broncos I also think that. Their offense looked quite good against Miami last week. They got a, a little bit unlucky um, in, front of, in front of the goal line in the red zone, but I expect the Bronx to score. And I I mean, if the Bears don't score 20 points, I mean, fire Luke Getsy, do whatever, I don't know.
0: If there was a bubble coming out of Eager's head right now, it'd be like, what did I do to deserve spending time on this game? Why did these guys <laughs> have to have a lean on Bears and Broncos? Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on this, Eric?
3: Well, no, I mean, you guys nailed it. I think the one piece of data that I'll, I'll also put out there is Denver gave up 35 points two weeks ago to Sam Howell. Sam Howell's pressure to sack ratio, so the number of, press, you know, percentage of pressures that turn into a sack, 39.6%. That's highest in football. Justin Fields actually, you know, is kind of more closer to his career averages. There's about 24.1% this is the kind of defense that somebody like Sam Howell, who in the pocket is kind of like Justin Fields, has actually had success against. And so that, to me, like, I think that I, the, the only thing that keeps me away from Chicago in this game is I don't know if the team is viable, right? This is like one of those, like, does it meet a critical threshold for me? But like a, a, from a power ratings and from a, just a peer, like, Uh, you know, grading out the unit's perspective. The Bears are the side here. It's just like, I don't know if Luke Getze is actually competent enough to turn, you know, if he's, you know, within shouting distance of Eric Biennemi because Biennemi took real advantage of this defense with a quarterback that's and an offense that's similarly limited to Chicago.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of comments about this in the chat. Um, Why not just play Broncos team total over? I guess that's a look as well. Like, I, I feel pretty confidently that the Broncos can move the ball in this game. Um, to Suma's point last week against the dolphins, the offensive output, isn't going to look great at 20 points. And they were down 35, 13 at one point, but I think they very much realized that they had to press. They had to go for it, uh, in the red zone a couple times in that game as well. So that's certainly an angle that I think some people can take in this game, uh, as well. Game number three on the docket for this week, new Orleans loses car to an injury, AC joint sprain last week. It's Jameis time as they are at home against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who looked horrendous offensively against the Philadelphia Eagles in primetime on Monday night football. Eric, I'm going to start with you here. Do the Tampa Bay Bucks bounce back in this game? Was that just a case of the Eagles being the Eagles or are they in some trouble?
3: No, we did the, the live show together on Monday. I don't think the Eagles are right. I don't think that that team is anywhere close to as good as they've been last year Tampa Bay lost Jamel Dean during the middle of that game. Carlton Davis was also injured. And when I look at the Saints, like my biggest frustration with the Saints in weeks one through three is they haven't really let it rip until they needed to, right? They they called the game, they called game, throwing the ball deep to Rashid Shahid in both week one and week two when they really needed to. The one thing Jameis is not going to do is not let it rip. And when I look at you know, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, you know, the tight end group for them is pretty good. And honestly, the Taysom Hill stuff offends me a lot less now than when they had Drew Brees and took him off the field for it. It's actually somewhat effective. Tampa's got a good front. Um, you know, linebackers are a little bit, you know, linebackers are pretty good, too. I just think the mismatches on the outside for New Orleans, I, I like I like them laying the points in this one. To me, uh, this is an overreaction to Carr, who current form Derek Carr to me is not all that much better than Jameis Winston. And I think Jameis is different enough where he might be what the doctor ordered for them as far as aggressiveness.
0: Hitman looks like you agree on this one as well. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's a, it's a, it's a downgrade from Carr to Winston, but it's not what some people think that it is. Um, Remember the last time that we got to see Jameis Winston play a full season as a starter, I get it was a few years ago and he, he, Listen, he had a lot of turnovers, but there's a guy that was capable enough that threw for 5,000 yards that season. Uh, the Bucks' corner injuries with Dean and Davis potentially out. It's just a complete mismatch against Michael Thomas, Chris Alave, and Raheed Shahid. Jawan Johnson, also another underrated weapon. You get Alvin Kamara back in the passing game. This Saints offense has a lot of weapons to attack a bad secondary for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think that the Bucs were big. You know, we kind of overrated them in market because of their strength of schedule. We were like, oh, they beat the Vikings outright. But that was a game that was, I mean, statistically, they were completely outplayed. It was just the Vikings pissing all over themselves. And that Bears win, beating them by three, 58 minutes into the game, took a pick six on a screen to, to win by margin. That that win by, isn't looking as good as it previously did. And I think that there was a little bit of a come-to-earth moment for Baker Mayfield against Philadelphia. Tampa can't run the ball. They could not run against Minnesota. They could not run against Philly. Against Chicago, they were able to somewhat be able to run it. But, again, that's against Chicago. Rashad White's 48th in yards per carry this year. And so you're really asking a team in the Bucks that they can't run. You're saying, all right, well, you're going to have to be really good in the passing game if you can't run the ball. And that's, I mean, Baker Mayfield, he he needs all the support that he can get. And even if you look at the matchups in the passing game, Marshawn Lattimore has been the most successful corner in the league going up against Mike Evans. And the Saints have also, their metrics have been really good against slot receivers also, which is where Chris Godwin's going to play. So I just don't see the the path for a lot of Tampa success. They're two receivers where the offense runs through. Tough matchups. They can't run the ball. And their pass defense is going up against an excellent trio of wide receivers on a with a quarterback that will push the ball vertically. So I like the Saints as well.
0: So I'm in agreement with both you and Eric here. And I think it's great points that you make about Davenport against Evans in the past. But like just think about to some think back to some of those Tom Brady games against the Saints defense where they just could not get anything going. The one thing about Brady is at least he'll throw the ball at his like you know, the back of his uh, offensive lineman's feet and get it out of his hands. Baker's not going to do that. It's more likely that he's going to try to make something happen, make some bad throws. I see this as a very bad defense for the uh, Bucs to be going up against this week. And also just like it's really flying under the radar that Alvin Kamara is back for this week's game as well. He looked very dynamic in the preseason. Again, I I think that's just like another, you get a backup quarterback in there. You now have your like reliable safety valve underneath who can get something in open space, unlike Jamal Williams earlier on in the year as well. Uh, I think that that is like something that's been flying under the radar a little bit. So myself, Hitman, Eric, all like the Saints. Sumar, are we going to make it a, a clean sweep on this game?
1: Yes, I don't have a strong opinion, but I would rather bet the Saints than the Bucs. I really like the argument of um, if the Bucs are without Jamal D and Carlton Davis again, like there are some mismatches down the field for the Saints. My only concern is that uh, don't really can bank on what I can get from James Winston against an offensive line that has not played very well so far this season. But on the other side, I really like what the Saints are doing defensively. I think they are also playing an above average rate of man coverage. So um, if Baker is forced to hold the ball, he he basically has to make a a few more accurate passes into tight windows. Might not uh, work out very well, but in general, it's, it's also Saints or pass for me.
0: This is a pretty funny comment here or a question. What's Lattimore and Evans getting tossed worth to the spread? Uh, always a distinct possibility whenever these guys meet up as uh, there's definitely uh, some hate brewing between them. I would say
2: that would favor the, um, that would favor the saints if both players got tossed. So.
0: <laughs> well, it's close. It's close. They're both dynamic in some, in some way, shape or form, but um I, I just love seeing them match up together because it's very clear that they hate each other. I know we're a, a football podcast here and a Best Bets show, but we did have breaking news. Dame to the Bucks. And we do have a private chat that goes out throughout the show here. At least one of us was not hoping for this outcome. You can tell this who it
2: is. got Got some great, great prices on Miami Eastern Conference finals. Oh, they were looking so good. So, And I'm a Heat fan as well, so 0 for 2 today for for the Hitman. Oh,
0: man. Just not your week. Not, not your month, Hitman. Not your month, as we discussed on the Monday night uh, broadcast, which we did on Hammer HQ. Uh, hopefully things turn around at some point in the near future, and hopefully they turn around for you on Monday Night Football this week. Interesting matchup. It's the Seahawks. And the Giants, obviously the Giants have been dealing with some injuries over the course of the past few weeks. Saquon Barkley, the one that fantasy uh, football players are really focused on, but obviously Andrew Thomas has been a big one for them as well. We've seen this Giants minus one plus 102 in this game at Pinnacle. The total of the game, 46 and a half uh, as well. Uh, and this has kind of been all over the place over the course of the week, just kind of hovering in and around this pick type of range. I'll go over to you, Suma Seahawks and giants. Who do you like in this matchup and why? Uh,
1: Pacific team traveling to the East coast, early primetime game. That used to be a great trend, uh, like circadian rhythms. So what's going to happen with the circadian yes. rhythms? <laughs> I also think that at some point it was like 14-2 against the spread in, in the last 16 matchups or something. Pretty crazy run. But um, going going back to how these teams match up, um, I really, really like what the Seahawks are doing offensively. They are um, playing above my personal expectations going, going into the season, especially when you... Um, adjust for them playing without both starting tackles. Phil Haynes was out last week. I think they lost Damian Lewis in the first or second quarter when I re- remember correctly. And they were still doing some pretty good stuff offensively. I think that Shane Waldron is doing a good job. Uh, Geno Smith is killing it against the Blitz this season. Uh, very high success rate in EPA per play metrics when I re- remember m- my query correctly t- this morning. And the Giants' defense is not only bad, but they are also like trying to get anything, everything, or anything going with the blitz. They blitz Brock Purdy at an absurd weight last week, when I remember right. And I just don't see how they are successful against this Seahawks offense. Um, Geno Smith, like I said, plays well against the blitz this season. He, he, he also seems like when he recognizes the blitz and he realizes that he won't have enough time, he finds the check down very quickly. Run um, one, one game looked more efficient for the Seahawks th- this season. Giants are still not good at defending the run. So I really don't know what the Giants defense can really throw at the Seahawks offense to get too many stops or, or early drive stops in this one. And on the other side, yes, Seahawks defense is also has a lot of question marks, but they get they, they might get a few players back. Tariq Rulin was out last week. Uh, Jamal Adams might be back, might help a little bit against the run. Uh, Trey Brown left with a concussion, might be out. Kobe Bryant was was out with a toe. Uh, I think Bobby Wagner uh, or might be really in conflict on play action because he, he looks really slow and out of place at some in in some place. But breaking this down, I mean, I really don't see how the Giants' defense will hold up against this Seahawks offense. I think Seahawks should be able to score easily, and then I don't think the Giants or the current state of this Giants offense has enough juice to to really keep pace with the seahawks so i think that the seahawks should be small favorites in this one
0: so suma likes the seahawks in this game eric there's been an argument put forward that the giants offensive numbers are suppressed as of now because of injuries and because they face both the cowboys and the 49ers in the early going are you buying into that argument for this week's game
3: yeah, I mean, that was part of the handicap for the Steelers last week, right? When you face Cleveland and San Francisco and it all looks terrible and then it loosens up a little bit with the Vegas Raiders. Um, but I, I I, I buy that a little bit. But I also think the Giants were – and we were on the live broadcast last Thursday. The Giants, like, tricked me during that game. Like, the fact that you didn't turn over the ball and it didn't, like, snowball and it didn't look ugly made me – oh, they're like – and then you were like, well, can you go look at yards per play? Go look at APN. I look at it and I'm like – Holy shit. They're bad. Like they, they were, it was worse than it looked on Thursday. And so I think that, you know, we, we saw the the worst of it on that first Sunday night game, they got better against the Cardinals or again, but getting behind by 21 against the Cardinals is no feat. And then last Thursday they played horribly against the Niners. Like I, I'm not, I'm with Suma. I think the Seattle Seahawks should be small favorites in this one Um and I think when you look at kind of like how they match up, like the defensive line for the giants is really the only advantage they have And both Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker averaging more than three yards per carry after contact. So they're running backs that at least can get them positive yardage when their offensive line fails. Gino has been pretty good. The wide receivers have gotten separation as advertised. And then uh, as soon as the Tariq woolen coming back, the what other part is, Saquon Barkley is a great running back, but he's a bad injured running back. If you look back at like 2021, he, like we were confusing him with Devontae Booker on the field because he was so slow. If they <laughs> if they get if they get him back on Monday, that's not an upgrade in my opinion off of an ankle sprain. So I, I just think that the, a lot of things stack up poorly against the against the
0: Giants here. That's two for two so far, Hitman on the Seahawks, uh, or at least. It's not fair for me to see, say wrong team favored because the price is a little bit misleading. The plus one minus 115 on Seattle actually lends themselves to being a small favorite in the game. So technically right team favored, I think is what Eric and Suma are saying at Pinnacle right now. But Hitman, you wanted to talk about the side in this as well. Or are you joining Eric and Suma here with the Seattle lean?
2: Yeah, have a lean towards Seattle. Uh, to follow up what Eric said about Barkley, Barkley has a high ankle sprain. Like if he comes back for this game... It's very likely that and it could move the market potentially, at least initially, maybe it moves it just very, very slightly. But I don't know if it's that big of an upgrade, to be honest, at his current state. And then Darren Waller, the other top option in the passing game, he could be a ticking time bomb with his hamstring that might still not be 100 percent. And it's the same hamstring that he dealt with an injury with last year. With the Raiders. So we're dealing again with a Giants team that just doesn't have a ton of weapons, especially compared to the Seattle Seahawks, who have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN, Kenneth Walker. And again, Gino, he's been playing pretty well, despite the offensive line concerns. He's thrown forward eight yards per attempt the last two weeks. He's 10th in EPA per play on the entire season. Daniel Jones is 27th right now. As we said, Seattle could be getting guys back. It definitely monitor the injury report, but it does look to be a little bit more promising today on Wednesday than we initially thought on Sunday night. So we'll make it three for three, lean towards Seattle.
0: I have a strong lean in this game. Someone already brought it up in the chat. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to say big bomb banger on the over, uh, but I do think this total should be north of 47. Um, I am buying into the Giants offense being – slightly suppressed because of the quality of competition we did see them move it largely in the second half against the Arizona Cardinals and I don't think the Seahawks offer much resistance on defense a lot of the defensive stops last week against the Carolina Panthers came because the Panthers had eight false starts in that game in Seattle the crowd noise played a huge factor aside from that Andy Dalton was moving it so I do think Daniel Jones is going to move it I just don't do not like the giant stop unit at all. I I should use stop unit in quotations because it doesn't exist. They don't stop the run, their secondary is bad. They are very much like the Vikings splits in the in the sense that they blitz a lot and don't generate pressure. Uh, not a big fan of the defense, so I do see points on Monday night football. Eric did mention here a couple times doing the watch along, um, which we do on Monday and Thursday nights. For those of you that don't know or aren't aware, Every Monday night football and Thursday night football, I go live on the Hammer HQ 15 minutes prior to game time. I give out prop bets prior to the game. We watch the game. We react to it in real time. Sometimes we get completely off topic and start talking about the most random things ever. But it is a good time. If you do want to join us, I'll get producer Jason to put the link in uh, the comments below so that people can see. But it's the Hammer HQ YouTube channel if you do want to subscribe and set notifications there and I will plug it because it's not too often that you hit a first down uh, first touchdown score at 35 to 1 but the prophet Zacchaeus, as Nick Kostos would say uh, with the first touchdown in that game we also hit TJ Hawkinson 20 to 1 a week ago as well so come join me there for a good time uh, during live Monday night football and Thursday night football games one last plug tomorrow night Thursday night football Lions Packers Joey Kanish noted Lions fan, noted losing better on Hit the Books. I'll point that out as well. Will join me for the first <laughs> half of that game. All right, uh, let's get to a little rapid fire style here. Now, typically we're not going to do this on shows over the courses of the year, but there are some big games this week. There's arguably the biggest game of the year so far happening in Buffalo, and these weren't included in our um you know, our standard game breakdowns this week because we don't have strong opinions on the game. But I do want to go around the table really quickly, guys, and just get your subjective feels on the game and what you think might happen in some of these games this weekend. And, Eric, I'll start with you. It's the Bills, the Dolphins. Dolphins scored 70 last week. They're now being valued essentially, you know, really close with the Buffalo Bills. What do we make of that game at Orchard Park?
3: Yeah, at least in – when I was looking at this at the look ahead, I last week I wrote in my notes it was like, "You're way too low on Miami. You're way too high on Buffalo," and you know, last week made me you know move move a little bit on Miami. Obviously, with the with what they put up, I still like if it was two and a half, I think Buffalo is the right side. I think you, you're seeing uh, some two and a halves pop up. Um, Miami's you know incredibly explosive, but again, they put up those points against. Uh, a team that gave up 35 to washington so i i, I lean bills there although there's a, a big respect for miami now given what they've done
0: suma uh,
1: yes pretty much agree i'm closer to minus three right now so at, at minus two and a half it would be value on bills to me um i don't want to take anything away from the dolphins but I am, um, or I was, pretty high on on Buffalo going into the season, and that might show up here a little bit. I still want to see the Dolphins going into Buffalo and do the same that they have been doing for three weeks. I also think that Dolphins' uh, defense, I'm not really high on. I think Bills should score here, and yeah, at any anything under three would also lean towards the Bills for me.
2: Hitman. Haven't bet it, probably won't bet it, but lean towards Miami, plus three. I think that one thing that sticks in my head from last year is that the Dolphins, especially in that playoff game, had a lot of adversity going against them, 14-point dogs without Tua, and they kept every game. Game one was super competitive. Game two in that snowstorm was super competitive. And game three was very competitive, especially when you consider that Miami had like 18 drops or something in that game. So I think that it's just maybe been a series that Miami just matches up well, where it it might be tougher for a team like Buffalo to get margin, in my opinion. But again, no bets on it, not a strong opinion, but maybe a lean towards Miami plus three.
0: I will probably end up with some sort of bet on Buffalo in this game of a small stature. I really like Miami. I'm definitely ready to call them a top six team in the NFL, if not better than that but I think that their defense is by far the weakest unit in this game. And that really separates Buffalo from them. Also the Vic Fangio style of defense of like, keep everything in front type of situation that they're playing right now. Josh Allen's been working with that, that for years now. And in fact, he did that really well against Washington a week ago. It used to be like the Josh Allen down the field show, right? Like the deep bombs. And then teams started to force him to dink and dunk up the field. And uh, I do think that he can do that. Um, So It'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this game uh, all around. Before we get into the next few games, it has come up in the chat. 250 watching, only 39 likes. That's a bad job by the host right here in that I didn't ask for the likes earlier on in the show. But if you do enjoy the stream and you've made it this far in, 45 minutes in, just take two seconds, smash that like button down below. And if you're just finding us now and you're not subscribed to Forward Progress, hit that subscribe button as well as we do put out valuable NFL content every day of the week with the exception of Saturdays. Suma, we'll start with you on the next game here. The Cleveland Browns look like a juggernaut on defense. They're hosting the Baltimore Ravens coming off of a loss at home, surprising loss to some, to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Two and a half in market right now for Cleveland. Any thoughts on this one?
1: The number just moved to minus three, uh, basically one minute before you were talking. I'm on the Browns from from earlier this week at minus two and a half. I made it around 3.25 initially looking at the injury reports this week, but I just think that the Ravens will be in some way or shape be banged up. And Ronnie Stanley and Tyler were practicing today. Rashad Bateman, DNP, Odell Beckham, DNP. And I just think that with this pass first style, they might convert back to a more traditional Lamar Jackson 1 game in this one because of the matchup. But I still think the Ravens are catching the the Browns in a a really bad spot with all their injuries. Um, Not a lot of receiving depth right now. And I I just think that this might be another week where the Browns' defense might take over especially when they can get more coverage head because Ravens are not really fully healthy and deep at wide receiver right now.
0: So Hitman, we've now seen, I'm just looking at Pinnacle now, and it is out to minus three. Does that change your opinion of the game at all?
2: No opinion on the game, but the one thing that when I see that Cleveland's now laying minus three flat against Baltimore that I think of is how the hell did we not go fire on the Browns minus three last week against the Titans (laughs) that result. There's might be no game all year that I think about more. And I say like, how did I not bet that game? So that that's off topic a little bit,
0: but it's on topic. Yeah. Eric,
3: go ahead. It reminds me of 2019 week two when Cincinnati was like plus one against the Niners in week two. And I remember you were like, the market has never been more out to lunch on a game. I do think that last week, like Cleveland, yeah. Laying just a flat three was, was absolutely like egregious. I can't get to minus three for Cleveland just with like power ratings. But the fact is, is like there's still just so many cluster injuries here for Baltimore. The other part where Zay Flowers has gone from Steve Smith to McCole Hardman as far as usage over the past two weeks, like they still want to get him the ball, but it's all short stuff. It's all you know, kind of scared stuff. I need to see a little bit more out of Baltimore's offense.
0: I'm very tempted by Ravens plus three. Um, I, you know, I'll go down narrative street here for a second, but like these AFC North games, I have nothing to back this up, but they always seemingly just end up being close games generally. Uh, But what I will say is I think that the possibility that we are overvaluing Cleveland now is high coming off of a game that we talked about last week, which we thought was very suited to their offense. And like Deshaun Watson getting on track, it's just like we couldn't trust Deshaun Watson in that game. And that's why we didn't bet at Hitman at the end of the day. But now like a week later, and now everyone's ready to trust him again off of one of the worst pass defenses in the entire league. On the other side of things, I love the Browns defense. I love the Jim Schwartz stuff. But again, like quality of competition matters, right? Tennessee offense, Pittsburgh offense, Cincinnati week one, bad weather, Joe Burrow, like calf injury. They haven't really been tested yet either with like a formidable offense. That might not be the case with the Ravens this week with the wide receiver injuries, but I'm definitely tempted here by Baltimore plus three. Uh, I'm going to pull this out really quickly. I need someone... I need someone to tell me that it's going to be okay for my Cowboys this week. Final game that will break down Dallas laying six and a half against the New England Patriots. Eric, I will start with you. Was that just an aberration from the Cowboys last week? Is this a good get right spot for them?
3: Dak has what five of those games every year where he just oh, like he can't do it. So um, no, the Patriots last week did exactly what the bills should have done in that Monday night game when Rogers got hurt and like get to the 40 and punt. And just play keep away. That's not going to work against Dallas. Like I, you know, there has been movement towards New England in this one, uh, off a seven to six and a half, where I've seen in some spots. Um, I, I think, I think Dallas. If I had to, if I had to choose a side, I think Dallas rolls in this one.
1: Suma? I agree. Um, Patriots. They. they face a, a, an um, Eagles offense that is not up to their 2022 standard Jets last week. Um, I mean, I just don't think with their secondary injuries that they are really highly competitive against a good offense. Um, obviously, we, we, we got to check out on, on O-line injury news for the Cowboys, but I I don't trust that Belichick's defense will completely shut them down. And on the other side, like this Patriots offense is so slow like receivers cannot do anything downfield no explosive plays Um, also I don't think that they have that kind of a one game that Arizona had last week where they really got creative got with uh, with a lot of speed to the second level and I just don't think that the pads can duplicate that this is a Mac Jones isn't highly athletic, drop back passing game. And and I think that the Cowboys offense is very well equipped for this. And yeah, I think Cowboys should score enough points on offense. And I just don't really see how the Patriots can hang there.
0: Hitman, the look ahead in this game was Cowboys minus seven and a half. It swung to the other side. I know a lot of people automatically, like, you know, the word overreaction comes to mind early, like every, over the course of the NFL season, it comes to mind a lot of times, especially when you have like, this outcome where Dallas as a double-digit favorite ends up losing outright, do you think it's it's an overreaction to last week's game?
2: Um, do I think it's an overreact? Yeah, it probably, probably is. But, again, we have to monitor the Dallas offensive line injuries. We, we have to see how this defense does play without digs, although you have the Patriots, again, are not an offense that's really going to take advantage of that this week in all likelihood with their offensive line struggles that they've had this year and the lack of separation they get from receivers. But with that said, th- this game, I-, I literally made it on market. So probably not much of an opinion from me.
0: I'm I'm pretty scared of, of Dallas this week. Um, I think the Patriots might be undervalued a bit in market. We saw them play the Eagles really well in week one. Didn't end up covering, but that was... I think, an unfair result for New England in that it was much closer than the 25-20 final score. They had their chances against the Dolphins two weeks ago. It's funny, we talk about like the Dolphins being world beaters because they scored 70 on the Broncos. A couple weeks ago, if Mac Jones doesn't throw an interception at like the three-yard line in that game on a really bad decision, then maybe that's a different story as well. I don't really know what to make of this game. I'm very unlikely to have something on the side. If this was played a week ago and it was the same number, I probably would have laid it with Dallas. But I do have more concerns now, especially with the play calling in the red zone. And when Dallas has to win by a touchdown or more, I don't know that I can necessarily rely on them to score touchdowns right now, which is a real problem. So those were our opinions on three of the more marquee matchups. I'll remind everyone, if you haven't liked the stream and you're here, still here, after 52 minutes, just smash that like button down below. It goes a long way. If you're watching this after the fact, a lot of people don't watch it live, totally fine. Just smash a like and do subscribe to our channel here on Forward Progress as we do have content over the course of the entire week at 2 p.m. Eastern time every single day. We're going to get into our best bets now. Suma, you won last week. So we'll kick it off with you. What do you like and why?
1: I like the Thursday matchup. I like Green Bay here getting points or getting a plus money line at home. I'm really impressed with what the, what the Packers offense has done in Jordan last uh, three first, uh, first three starts uh, without their wide receiver one, without Aaron Jones. Uh, I think Edgerton was a massive downgrade over um, Aaron Jones. They had o injuries and their offense was still pretty good. They didn't have the highest success rate, but they created a, a lot of big plays. Um, now Christian Watson is likely going to be back. Aaron Jones uh, uh, is likely going to be back. Jerry Alexander, maybe 50-50, but he was limited yesterday after sitting out with a back injury last Sunday. Uh, Lions also have a few injuries, and I just think that this is a great spot. Matt LaFleur... Um, is doing an incredible job uh, game planning and, and scheming wise, I would probably give him the advantage on a short week and Packers at home against the, the lions. I make this with Aaron Jones and Christian Watson playing. I make this um, Packers being favorites and I gladly take them as a, as a short home dog.
0: Round earth guy says that uh, Packers are the best teaser leg of the week. I think a lot of people echo that with a, you know, medium sized total, and uh, the chance that this could be a close game at Lambeau. Eric, you also were victorious last week, a wire-to-wire winner with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, what's the best bet of this week for you?
3: I think there's a similar one where, you know, we're going to pick a, at least on the point spread side, you're going to pick a short dog uh, with the, the Seattle Seahawks uh, out to maybe minus 130 or so. Uh, I, I just, you know, the Giants have very few advantages in this game, and the Seattle Seahawks are... are fairly resilient in the places where the Giants have an advantage. And then I think that the, you know, we're a little bit overrating the the Darren Waller to uh hitman's point about hit, you know, he has a, a hamstring that could blow at any time. And then obviously you have Saquon Barkley possibly coming back, but probably not healthy enough to really be an impact player. From there, it's Daniel Jones who's who's really struggled through the first few weeks. So uh, I'm gonna go with Seattle who's doing a lot of things right. And I think uh where they're weaker, I don't necessarily think the Giants can take advantage.
0: All right, so Packers on the Thursday night game for Suma, Seahawks on the Monday night game for Eric. We're going to Sunday, Hitman, for your play. Who do you like and why?
2: Well, we've struggled with the best bets, but what do we know? The old tout playbook is talk about how good the leans are doing if you're winning those. <laughs> and if the leans aren't winning, then just don't mention them. So, <laughs> But in all seriousness, the New Orleans Saints, minus three. That, that would be my best bet. Bucks, the corner injuries. It's a big mismatch going against the Saints wide receivers, Raheed Shaheed, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. Winston, I don't think, is as big of a downgrade as the market might think. The, the Bucks, some of their previous two wins, just not looking that impressive right now with a fluky win against Minnesota and only being up three against Chicago late in that game. Tampa can't run, going to put a lot of success a lot of success needed from Baker Mayfield, but it's a tough matchup for his top weapons. Mike Evans against Lattimore. The Saints are pretty good against slot receivers. And we also have the Saints' history against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know it was against Brady, but it's been really the same coaching staffs, and the Saints have fared very well in this rivalry. So I think that the Saints' minus three best bet this week.
0: All right, and I'll close it out here. With the Wembley game in London, nothing better than waking up to football on a Sunday morning while you're doing all your prep and being able to actually watch a game. Earlier this afternoon, there was a lot of steam on the Atlanta Falcons in this game. Entire board got hit. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are a solid play at minus three, minus 108. I'd play this up to minus 120. I don't want to boil this all down to quarterback play. But I have zero faith faith in Desmond Ritter. This is Trevor Lawrence against Desmond Ritter. The likelihood that Lawrence gets it corrected is much higher than Ritter being able to sling it downfield all of a sudden. Jacksonville's game last week, a little bit misleading. They struggled with some fumbles. There was a special teams return for a touchdown, which I almost fell off my coach when I saw it for uh, the Houston Texans in that game. Uh, as it wasn't even the returner that returned it for a touchdown. Just a lot of things that worked against them altogether. But one thing Jacksonville's done well this year is defend the run. Quality of competition matters. They haven't faced the greatest running backs. It was Indy with Deion Jackson. It was Kansas City. It was Houston. But ultimately, I do think that this is an above-average run defense, and it's going to put Atlanta in some spots that are uncomfortable. C.J. Stroud made throws downfield last week to Tank Dell. Desmond Ritter does not have that in his arsenal, in my opinion. I do this. I do view this as a good spot for Jacksonville. I think that there's a decent size separation between these two teams, and I'm not giving Jacksonville much home field advantage. I just really think Atlanta looked good in week one against Carolina, or wins by two touchdowns in a game that honestly was way closer than it would suggest against a bad Carolina team, Bryce Young. Last week should have performed much better against a Detroit team that was decimated by injury. So I think this one's a little bit short here. And uh, I am aware that I am opposing some very, very big money in the market today. But I do like the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. More from forward progress over the course of the week. 2 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Hitman and Eager are on the Thursday show with our producer, Jason Cooper. They go through Thursday night football, both from a props perspective and a full game perspective. Friday, we do have our prop show right here at 2 o'clock. Sunday morning with myself, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's the Pizza Buffet. I'll go through the entire board. Top to bottom, rotation number order, let you know my final opinion on each game. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, do so now. Set notifications and also check out the Hammer HQ where we're doing a live watch along tomorrow night. For myself, Rob Pizzola, Eric Eager of Sumer Sports, make sure you check out their stuff as well. Hitman, Suma. This has been Forward Progress, week four NFL best bets. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch everyone next Wednesday.